A very good morning to all of you. <clears throat> well, we are so glad that we can be able to come to meet with our God. <clears throat> Sometimes we uh, may not understand the privilege that we have to be able to meet with God in such a way as a, as a family, as a church. And I think this is really special. Uh, we should really make uh, it our target to make these highlights uh, in our week. Today I want to speak about uh, a subject that I feel is very important and very encouraging for everyone. Uh, this I have entitled Humble Beginnings, Great Future. Humble Beginnings, Great Future. Let me read for you from the book of Job. <clears throat> Job chapter 8 verse 7 says, your, your beginnings will seem humble, so prosperous will your future be. Your beginnings will seem humble, so prosperous will your future be. And Micah chapter 5 verse 2 says, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrata, so you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. It's like something important. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 8. The end of a matter is better than its beginning, and patience is better than pride. Very deep word. Luke chapter 24 verse 25. He said to them, that is Christ, how foolish are you and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. All that the prophets have spoken. Did not Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Let us pray. Lord our God, we are so grateful for your wonderful revelation that comes to us week after week after week. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are giving us an insight in your plans, an insight in your heart, an insight in your desires. And Lord Jesus, thank you that we can be able to join you on this epic journey that is ahead of us. We thank you, Lord, for the glorious future which is awaiting everyone who believes. And so, Lord, we are here to listen to you attentively and pray, Lord, that may these words that we are hearing not just be hitting our eardrums, but they may really sink into our mind and our hearts so that they can bring us closer to your purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As I want to uh, today begin to stretch a ball, you know, from way back into far into the future, I hope that you are going to stay with me and see how wonderful God is planning everything that he does. God works with an eternal strategy in mind. You know, God is not just uh, hopping from one day to another from one opportunity to another, 
hoping that things will work out. No, God has a, has a plan that is eternal. And of course, when we talk about the eternal already, we are somehow left behind because we cannot fully understand eternity. Our understanding has limits because our experience has limits. We are in this three-dimensional world, and obviously that's why we cannot fully uh, comprehend when God speaks about the eternal. But yet, it is important for us to take note what we find clearly outlined in the Word of God. God will not do anything by chance. He will always do things with a very clear outcome in mind. He is a master planner. He is a master architect. You know, there are certain, there are certain uh, um, professions that have got something to do, you know, with, with the nature of God. You know, all the people who are doing creative jobs, you know, we are very close uh, to the nature of God. And, and that's why it's good that we all somehow use our creativity, you know, so that we can be able to bring out what God has laid inside of us. Because every one of us has got that creativity because we are made in the image and in the likeness of our God. So God is a master architect, a master planner, but he's not only a planner, he's also a farmer. Okay? He's the one who sows a seed with the very clear intention to make it grow to something specific. So you imagine everything for every seed, as big or as small as they may be. That's an amazing thought. And you know, not only did he design the seed, he designed the fruits, he designed the tree, he designed the plant, he designed us human beings. And that truly is far greater than we can possibly, you know, uh, comprehend or understand because that is beyond our scope. So God will eventually achieve his target in everything that he does. Despite one major obstacle that is in God's creation, okay? And that, that obstacle is what we must understand, okay? God put an obstacle in creation in order for him to achieve what he wants to achieve. And you would wonder, why would God put himself a stumbling block? Why would God put an obstacle into his creation if it is giving him problems afterwards? Well, he did that because he didn't want us to be robots. He wanted us to be free agents, okay? Have a free will. Make a decision whether we love or we hate, okay? So the free will that God has given to each and every one of us is the greatest obstacle for God to achieve his destiny. But even so, it's an obstacle. He will overcome it. He will still accomplish everything that he has taken into his plans. Now, all of us, we do planning, isn't it? And we, we, we know, you know, that when we make plans with our own families, you know, we have plans for our children, we have plans for, 
you know, maybe uh, a certain timetable. And, and we all realize how difficult it is and sometimes how impossible it is to carry on with our plans because somewhere in between has a different idea. Somewhere has a different mind. Somebody is going in a different direction. Now imagine God created this world. Okay? As far as the plant world is concerned, no problem because uh, God can direct this easily. As far as the animal world is concerned, no problem. God can direct this easily. As far as the universe is concerned, no problem because God can direct that easily. But when it comes to human beings like you and me, then that is a different story. Because now we are going to 8 billion people and all of us have a will. And that will is very often not in line with our gods. Even for us who are following Christ, very often we do our own thing. You know, we are, we are stubborn. We are trying to, to push God to do the things that we want instead of us listening to what he wants. So that is a huge, huge roadblock, you know, a huge hindrance for God to accomplish all that he wants to accomplish. And yet, the Bible is very clear that he will maneuver, that he will make sure that he will accomplish everything that he has been able to plan from the very beginning in time. Now, how God does that is beyond us, okay? Because our mind has limitations. But God finds ways and means in order to bring us to the place where he wants us to be. And even if we do not want to go where he wants us to go, he respects that. So we are created in his image, but yet we fail to understand his good plans for our life. Today and tomorrow or, 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 or next week or in, in, in one year or two years' times, our future is of eternal nature, just like God is eternal. So God has a prosperous future for us. Just like we read in the book of Job, your beginnings seem humble. And of course, all of us, we have started in a very humble way. We have started very, very small, okay? All of us, we were just a seed at one time, okay? But here we are today, fully grown. And that is only one side, you know? Our physical uh, structure is only one side of the equation, the greater side is the spiritual reality, okay? And God is busy to work out things even in that reality of the spiritual world. So God is busy working in each and every one of our lives. And this is even more true once we have received Christ as our Savior, as our Lord. Once we have recognized that God is good, and that is a good plan for our lives. But then all of us at one time were not saved. All of us at one time were still far from God. And even if you have grown up in a home that was uh, giving you Christian principles, you still had to make a decision at one time to say, Lord, I trust you and I will follow you. Now God brought us into this world on earth, okay? Earth is very important. And God brought us on earth so that we have the ability to
to make a choice. Okay? He allows us to fail. Now, that's an amazing thought. You know, God allows you to fail. Because if he wouldn't, then we would be doomed immediately if we make a mistake. We would just fall dead and that would be it. But no, he allows us to fail. And this is amazing. But then, of course, he doesn't only allow us to fail, but he has also sent someone to earth, and that is Christ himself, God himself coming to earth, so that when failure has happened, when, you know, failing has happened, when sin has come into uh, operation in our lives, it is not the end, but it's actually a new beginning that becomes possible because of Christ our Lord and Savior. So God works with an eternal strategy. Okay, he is the master architect, the master planner. He knows what he is going to achieve and he will achieve everything that he has set himself to achieve. Because he knows the problems before they happen. He knows the will of man before we have even decided. The Bible says that before we ask him, he already knows what we desire, what is on our hearts, what we need. Now, one thing that is going in the favor of God, you know, is that God has plenty of time, okay? He doesn't come under time pressure at all. God is never in a hurry, okay? He will always allow things to mature until they come to where they are meant to be, okay? He will never harvest something before it's time, okay? He will never go and get the hard and green tomatoes, okay? <laughs> when they're really, really hard and when they're bitter. He will never harvest the bananas when they are going to make your mouth become sour, okay, or bitter. You know, you know I'm sure all of us, we have experienced that. Now, God is waiting for everything to mature because he has a maturing purpose in everything that he does. God begins with a humble seed and he waits patiently until the harvest is getting ready. Okay? The Bible tells us that a farmer who knows the cycle of sowing and reaping, he will sow the seed and he knows that he has to wait for the cycle to complete before he can go and get the harvest. You see, today we have a lot of people <clears throat> They want to sow today and harvest tomorrow. You know, often it's even happening in the church. You know, people, people are believing a lie that you can give God something and then tomorrow you will get the answer. No, it's not like that. It's not like that. There's a cycle, okay? Every seed has a certain growth cycle. Every thing takes time to come to maturity, okay? For some of the seeds, it takes a long time, okay? We ourselves have been taking nine months in our mother's womb before we were able to be mature to come out. But there are plants which take years. There are, there are I think, elephants, they take much longer than we human beings. And of course, there are others who are much faster. But God has designed every creature's cycle, every seed's cycle, 
You know, whether it's a plant, whether it's a, a, a fish, a, a bird, an animal, everything has got its own cycle. It's totally amazing. And you know, the, the greatest of all these thoughts is that everything works together in harmony fully and perfectly well. Okay? No human being could have designed all of this. Let alone an accident could have brought things like this into being. You know, some people think there's no God. Everything came by accident, you know. But if an accident happens, what happens? Damage, isn't it? There's no accident. Have you ever seen an accident where something good came out? Okay, have you ever seen a, a, a plane falling from the, from the sky and then it became, a, a, you know, a castle of gold? It doesn't happen. Okay, all you see is wreckage, trouble, broken pieces. And you know, when, a, when an airplane falls to the ground, you know, the, the forensic uh, expert, they are going and get every piece together and try to put it together to see, you know, what may have happened, why this is, accident could have taken place. But we are living in a perfect world. Now, not perfect in the sense of being good, but in a perfect world in the sense of running smoothly, okay? Year in and year out, okay? The universe is so vast and there are so many cycles that are happening in the universe, you know? Uh, not only are our planets surrounding the sun, each one of, their, of them at their own speed, but there are so many suns, there are so many planets, there are so many, you know, fixed stars, and, and we, we, we don't really have a full understanding. Everything functions, okay? Everything works well, okay? We human beings, we make certain products, uh, and all of you who are, who are driving a car, you know, you know that your car needs service, needs maintenance. And if you don't do that, sooner or later your car will be finished. Okay? But God has put everything into being and it runs its course. Okay? He doesn't have to panic and say, oh, something is going wrong over there or something doesn't work over here. No, everything works. Even if you may think things have gone out of control because there are some, some starlets falling on the, out of the sky onto earth, God is not under pressure at all because everything works according to his perfect plan. Everything. So this is an amazing reality. So God has enough time to allow things to mature. And this is something you should, you should write down, okay? It's something that is very important for us to, to understand. Whether it's a day or a thousand years that are required for something to mature, God has the time, okay? And the Bible says that for God, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like one day. So time is not an issue for God because he lives in eternity. Time is just an issue for us because that's the measurement in which we are living. So God will never judge anything before everything has been worked out to its completion. Okay? He knows when things are not developing right. But he gives it time. Okay? He knows when you're failing, when you're stumbling, when you're going astray, 
but he gives you time because he wants you to find eventually the right way. God waits for our maturity. And the Bible is very clear that we all are going to grow up to the very uh, full size of the nature of Christ, you know. He wants us to all come to that maturity in Christ. So he will never rush in doing things because, uh, you know, some things may have happened and then he has to take ac action immediately. You know, we human beings, very often we are saying, why does God allow this to happen? Have you ever heard this or said this? Okay? Maybe somebody is, 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 is tripping you, somebody is giving you trouble or hardship, and you say, God, why are you allowing this to happen? Now, you want God to do something because somebody else does something which hurts you in your life. But when you hurt somebody else, you never say, God, why do you allow me to do this? Am I right? You know, we always are looking from our own perspective. But God gives everybody time, okay? This is inbuilt. This is what God has decided to do. So he will not judge before the time has arrived. He lets you run the whole cycle. And even the last opportunity that you have, God will give you that opportunity so that you can be able, if you choose so, to reach your destiny. That's amazing. So he is patient until all his milestones are being reached. He's not running out of patience. He knows how he's going to work things out in his life. But then, of course, there are deadlines that God has. Okay, and I think we must understand the time of the harvest. And you, you know that Jesus himself said, when the harvest time is coming, then, you know, everything that has been growing together, the wheat and the weeds, the good and the bad, they will then be separated. And these type of harvests come at God's appointed times. And they have come even in the past. The Bible tells us about the flood. Okay? The flood that came in the days of Noah was a divine appointed time of judgment. It was not something that God did in a hurry. God gave everybody time and people were doing their own thing. But there was somebody who was keeping his eyes on God. The Bible says that God looked at Noah and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Okay, why, why did he find grace in the eyes of the Lord? Because his eyes were on him. Okay, others were not interested in God. Even when Noah was preaching the news that God had appointed a time of reckoning, they didn't care. Even when God told Noah to build an ark, and he did that, and he, he kept the ark open, so that everybody who would have believed could still have come in. And you know, the ark is a picture of Christ. Today we have an ark that is open, and that is Christ Jesus our Lord. But then, you know, even so we preach. Even so we invite. Even so we urge. There are certain people who don't want to go in. 
They feel everything is okay. And some people say everything will just continue since from the beginning of time nothing has changed. But the reality is God has his own timetable. And when a milestone has been reached, God will do what he is going to do. Okay? Now, that may mean that people will laugh at you because you are building an ark on dry ground. That may mean that people misunderstand you because you do things not what is in right now, what everybody else is doing, but you're hearing from God, and what you hear from God makes no sense. To this. We are not just listening to what, you know, the, the times demand, but that we are listening to the voice of God. That is the reason why we come together like we do today. To open our hearts, open our minds, we receive the word of God, and my prayer is that you are not just hearing it, but you put it into practice and do it. So God is making a massive, massive investment for the future, okay? God is preparing everything for that, that powerful harvest that is going to come one day. Okay, you may think, okay, look, look here, this was like not a good harvest when, when there were uh, crowds and crowds of people during the days of, of, of Noah, and they all died because they did not believe. And there were only eight people, okay, who were saved in that situation. But then you must see things from a different perspective. God looks at it from his own perspective. And what God is accomplishing is far beyond our comprehension, our understanding. So God is making a massive investment for eternity. And the Bible says what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, what has not come in anyone's mind. That is what God is preparing for those who love him. That's amazing. So in Christ... Of course, when we are walking with Christ and walking in his footsteps in Christ, getting despised is part of the deal. Okay? It's part of the deal. You know, because the common idea of how life should run is contrary to what God has planned. Because if people would understand the plan of God and would, you know, uh, reason with that plan, they would probably follow. But then they don't do that. They want to do their own thing. We know that Jesus himself had so many challenges in his life because he had to deal with narrow-minded people. You know, Pharisees, teachers of the law, people who should have known better. They were a stumbling block. They were having a narrow mind trying to be religious. And you know, Christ is not here to bring a religion. Christ is not a religious uh, founder. No, he's not, he's not actually building a religion. He's building a people. So I don't belong to a religion. I belong to Christ. It's, 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 it's a big, big difference. Okay? The problem is that, you know, God begins a good work and then be, people begin to, to deteriorate into, into religious activity. 
You know, God gave the people of Israel to do certain things to remind them, you know, about the plan of God. But instead of being reminded, it just became a religious exercise. And so when Jesus came, you know, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they were just doing religious stuff day after day after day. And God said, I'm tired. I don't want to hear that, that noise that you're making. I'm not even interested in those sacrifices that you bring. Even so, God said, bring them. But because it was becoming a religious exercise, God was saying, I have no interest in this. So, you and I, when we walk in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus Christ, we must be willing and ready to be misunderstood. Okay? Sometimes you are most misunderstood by the people who are closest to you. Because they have got their own ideas for you. They think you need to do A, B, C, when actually God said you must do X, Y, Z. Okay? So, it's completely opposed to one another. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and 11 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. Yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. <clears throat> okay, and this is our challenge. You know, we cannot fathom what God has done and what God is doing and continues to do from the beginning to the end. We may just see today, or we just may see what I want tomorrow. We just want to, you know, uh, quickly, quickly uh, get our, 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 you know, needs that we define ourselves met. But God looks at the beginning and he looks at the end. God has brought you into this, into this world as a seed. And you are supposed to be able to grow into a rich harvest, into a glorious and prosperous future, according to his own words. Let me read for you <clears throat> Psalm 112. You know, Psalm 112 is an amazing, an amazing um, revelation of how God works. And, and we should all really understand that God is not limited in what he is doing, but he has a plan, a powerful plan. Psalm 112, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Everything should start with praising God, okay? Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Are you going to be happy if you don't get what you want, but your children will be blessed? Will you be able to, you know, uh, let go of certain things so that the blessings will come to your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren? Verse 3. Well in darkness, light dawns, and his righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. For the gracious and compassionate and righteous man. Hey, this is powerful. You know, I mean, I, I unfortunately I can only read that. I, I could go into, into each and every one of these half sentences and, and, and talk a lot about it. But please, take time 
to read and meditate upon that because it's so important. And you know, much of what is being said here is not just only for us, not just pointing to you and me, but it's also pointing to Christ. <clears throat> Verse 5. Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Okay, you know what happens when justice is being circumvented, when justice is being bent. Then people suffer. Then people are being disadvantaged. And this happens. Just this week we have seen judges being uh, relieved of their jobs because they were not doing justice. The very people who are supposed to uphold justice are the people who bend it. How sad. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. Hey, a righteous man, a righteous woman will be remembered forever. It pays to be righteous. Even if in the short run, it will give you pain. People may laugh at you. People may think you are crazy. You know, everybody does it. What's wrong with that? What you are supposed to do. But the righteous man will be remembered forever. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Okay? If you do what is right, you don't have to worry. Because God is on your side. Okay? If God is for us, who can be against us? His heart is secure. He will have no fear in the end. When I was growing up, uh, you know, sometimes people laugh at you and sometimes people mock you. They do all kinds of things. And, and I remember when I came home uh, to tell my mom about it, she would always say, don't worry. Those who love last, love best. Okay? That's why it's good to have a mom. Today is Mother's Day, isn't it? Mothers have good advice. Okay? So he said, don't worry. Those who love last, love best. And she was right. I've seen it many times. So we must not circumvent justice. We must not try to uh, push our own will. No, we must learn to do what is right. Verse 9. He scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. And this really talks about the work of God. You know, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be lifted high in honor. The wicked man will see and be vexed. He will gnash with his teeth and waste away. The longings of the wicked will come to nothing. But praise God, the righteous will be remembered forever. Isn't that powerful? So, you know, you need to see everything in perspective. You need to see things from the beginning to its conclusion, to its end, to its harvest time. And that's what the Bible is teaching us. We are reading about Bethlehem by the prophet Micah who said, But Bethlehem, Ephrathah, so you are small amongst the clans of Judah. Out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. So now we look at things 
from our human perspective. Okay? Bethlehem, a very small place. Or at one time, you know, they said there's a prophet from Nazareth and the answer was, what good can come from Nazareth, you know? So you, you, you take a, a, a certain view of things. People look at you at some time. People maybe mock nothing to amount to anything. And maybe people look at you at some time. People maybe mock you and say, ah, what can come good out of this home? Or what can come out of this family? Or what can come out of this, these people, you know? But don't be worried. God has a purpose in everything that he does. A purpose in every one of us. Jesus said, whatever people do to me while I'm here on earth, you must be ready and willing to endure the same thing because they will do it to you also. So you should not be losing your composure. You should not give up on your faith when things happen that are contrary to what you would love to, to see, what you expect, because certain things happen for good. You know, if you would ask the seed that is falling into the ground and that eventually disappears, that dies in the ground, when, when the rotting exercise begins, you know, when the water falls, when, when, when uh, you know, everything is moist and, 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 you know, it's like contrary what a seed would expect to be comfortable. But exactly that is what it makes, what, what makes it grow, okay? So the, the, the hardships, the challenges, the difficulties, the pain, you know, the, the adverse effects that we suffer in many situations is what makes us grow, okay? It makes the old stuff that we have been coming with die away and it will bring out the new life that God has appointed us to bring forth. So Jesus came willing to sacrifice and even die. And of course, it's him who said, unless a kernel of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it will just remain alone. But when it dies, it will bear much fruit. And every one of us is a seed. Every one of us is meant to bear fruit. Okay? Now, Jesus himself told us the story of, uh, of the sower. Okay, and the sower is sowing seed, and you know, he tells us about four different grounds, some the roadside, some of the hard ground, you know, uh, some, some which is uh, near the thorns, and, 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 and those, those grounds are not producing very well. But then some falls on fertile ground. But even on the fertile ground, not always will it mean that people will bear fruit hundredfold. Some are sixtyfold, some are eightyfold, some are hundredfold. So it's all up to us, really, of how we make our choices in life so that we bring maximum fruit. Okay? God has given you so much 
in the abilities he laid into your life, in the giftings that he gave you, in the creativity that you all have. Every one of us has it. Of course, some always claim, no, me, I didn't get anything. But that's not true. God has not brought empty shells into this world. God has given us grace. And that is true for every human being. Whether we, whether we are born uh, to influential people or whether we are born to poor people, all of us, we have got the gifts of God. And we can be able to use them. Of course, some people say, you know, just because the people who have been born in the upper echelons of society, they have got greater chances. And maybe, to some extent, it may be true. Maybe they go to schools which others could not go to. But if you look at it, very often, those people, those children of the rich, they end up in drugs. They end up to become useless. They end up to do things that you would not expect them to do. So, you know, don't say, uh, I'm disadvantaged. No, you're not disadvantaged. You're advantaged. You're gifted. You're given gifts, talents, abilities by God himself. You're given, you know, the, the image of God that makes you a creative human being. And of course, we have maybe lost quite a lot, uh, a lot because we, we, we all went astray. We fell, went uh, away from the, from the plans of God. But when we came back to Christ, or if we come back to Christ today, then God will restore much of that which has been lost in the first place. Okay? Whatever the devil has stolen, God is willing to restore it. This is powerful. So insults, persecution, death is never going to be the end. There's always a resurrection coming. Okay, Jesus came as the, as the seed falling in the ground. He had a hard time, okay? I mean, he was gifted with so many wonderful gifts. He came full of grace and truth and he let his grace, he let his truth come through. You know, people were blessed. People were saved. People were healed. People were even resurrected. resurrected, And yet, there was still hatred. And he was still eventually nailed to the cross. I mean, this, this is difficult to understand, but it's a reality. But even so, he was insulted. Even so, he was beaten. Even so, he was, he was persecuted. Even so, he was in the, at the end nailed to the cross. That was not the end. That was just a process to mature salvation. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he had defeated death and sin once and for all. Praise God. So, in other words, please don't be fast to judge the book by its cover. Okay, you, you know, that is the saying we have. Don't judge the book by its cover. You know, some books, they are very powerful, but the covers are, are not really promising what is inside because the cover is, after all, only a front page. Okay, so some covers are very intriguing, very interesting, and then you read it and you throw it away and say, this is, this did not promise uh, what was inside. You know, the, the content did not promise the, what the cover was promising. 
And vice versa. Sometimes, you know, you, you see a cover and it's not really uh, much of a, of a promise, but when you go inside it, then great things will come out. That is what we need to understand. You know, that's why when you're saying nothing good can come from Nazareth or Bethlehem is just a small place, you know, nothing influential will come from there. You're mistaken. Because God has his own way to do things. If people are telling others, no, this one is, is, is hopeless, he will never achieve anything. Just tell God that he's right and those voices are lying. Okay, because you have the ability with God to overcome every obstacle, to join, to, 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 to scale every wall of hindrance that is in your, in your way. Let's just quickly, in a few minutes, look at uh, examples. You know, Abraham, okay, he was called Abraham. He lived in one of the greatest cities at that time, which was, was Ur. Okay, Ur. Uh, that was a very, very big kingdom at that time. And, uh, of course, you know, there were some other cities in that Mesopotamian region. And uh, these were rich cities. You know, uh, they, they, they called this area the fertile half moon because that area was very, very uh, fertile. There were these river, rivers, as you know, uh, even from the book of creation, that were watering the land very powerfully. And people were rich. But people were also rich in all kind of religions, making their, themselves the gods they, they thought they needed to have. And they were becoming slaves to their gods. And one day God spoke to Abram, okay? At that time it was still called Abram, exalted father. And he said, Abram, come out. I want to take you into another land. What we don't read in the Bible is what we read in history. You know that years later, I don't know exactly how many years later, but in that, in that time, your Chaldea and all the other cities, what is today's Iraq, were actually destroyed. Okay, you can read it in history. So if Abram did not follow God, he may have also vanished in that city that was rich, but poor spiritually. Okay, so God said, come out, and, and Abraham followed. People did not pay attention to that man called Abraham. Okay, yes, he was known by people, but otherwise he was not an influential figure in the world at that time. Okay, the people who were influential at that time were the people of Egypt, you know, later on, you know, the people of Assyria, of Babylon, of, uh, of, of, of uh, Persia, of Rome. You know, through the history of Israel, you can see so many rulers rise and fall, rise and fall. But the nation of Israel coming into being through this one man by faith, who listened to the voice of God, who followed his command, that nation is still here even today. 
You know, it had to go through so many persecutions, the Holocaust, so many things that happened in their history, and the nation of Israel is still going strong, okay? They may not have yet recognized the Messiah, but they are there. It's a testimony of what God can do. You know, the promise of God stands, and it stands forever. This is amazing. Okay, all these mighty rulers who were there in between, you know, they were there for a season and then they disappeared. Okay, look at the pharaohs. Look at the, the Roman emperors. Look at the, 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 the rulers of the east. Look at uh, all the, the things that happened in the history of time. And you get amazed. How could one nation that is even scattered all over the earth still keep its identity? Why? Because God kept their identity. God kept them alive. God kept them going. Despite of their, you know, misunderstanding of God, despite their disobedience many times, God has a plan. And that plan carries on. It's eternal. That's amazing. So while Abraham may not have been a big player at the time when he was walking uh, in, the, in the Middle East, he is a big player, and he has been a big player ever since, okay? Because Israel is still around, even after all other, these, these other nations have risen and have fallen, have risen and have fallen, have risen and have fallen. So God pursued his plans, and he is forming his people to perfection, Okay? When, when God said, be holy because I'm holy, holy means to be set apart, okay? Not be like everybody else, but be like me. Be set apart. It's a very important concept. So Jesus was born in this small place, Bethlehem. Okay, nobody paid attention when Mary and Joseph had to uh, take that very difficult journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem because... You know, the emperor in Rome said, this must be done, okay? Everybody must go home. Everybody must go to their father's house so that I get a good grip of how many people I've got in my kingdom. So Joseph and Mary were forced to go. They had no other option because it was a command from the emperor. And Jesus was born. And when he was born, there was no space for him. It looked like he was not needed. Excess, okay? Not required. And the world, by and large, did not take note of it. The only people who took note were the shepherds who were receptive to hear the angel's voice. And some wise men, somewhere from the east, who knows where from? Of course, not from Chipata. Okay, this was Middle East, so East would have been, you know, India, China, or somewhere there, you know, maybe, we don't know. The answer is not given, but they were from the East. Okay, so they came. Why did they come? Because they had heard the voice of God. 
Amazing, isn't it? They come to where the king, the newborn king, is supposed to be found. And of course, where do you look for a newborn king? You go to the palace, isn't it? You ask the king, oh, have you got a baby in the palace? And of course, when the wise men went to the palace, and by the way, they were not three, yeah? These are all stories that are not found in the Bible. Okay, we don't know how many there were. There were a number of them. Okay. There could have been ten. There could have been four. There could have been six. We don't know. The wise men. Okay, they came looking for the newborn king whom they have heard from above. It was not just their intuition. It was something they were given as a revelation and they followed. They were not just hearers of the word, they were doers of the word and they followed the instruction. They went. And they went to Herod's place and Herod was getting agitated. What? Is there another king? How can there be another king? And the teachers of the law, you know, and says, where is the new king to be born? And lo and behold, they knew it. Okay? They knew, no, the king is going to be born in Bethlehem because that's what is written in the Bible. Micah, the prophet, has been saying this hundreds of years ago. And so they told the people, okay, go there. This is where you find Bethlehem. And they did that. And they found the Lord. But you know what? They themselves did not go. They knew where the king was to be born, but they didn't go to check for him. They didn't seek him. That's the sad part that we see in our world. You know, people who should, should know better, they are not really looking for the Lord. This is so sad. But these wise men and, they, and, they, and, they, and they, uh, the shepherds from the fields, they came and they worshipped the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? They heard what the angel revealed to them and they were joyous. That's why we say joy to the world. The Savior has come. Amen? So God was working out his plan from a very small beginning, from a little town called Bethlehem. But don't underestimate the small seed. Jesus himself said, even if you have a small seed like a mustard seed, it will grow into a mighty tree. And Jesus was beginning his life on earth in a very small place, in a very humble under very humble circumstances. But, of course, he had a glorious future. He appeared on earth in a manger, but he's the one who is going to be the ruler of Israel, the ruler of this world. That's amazing. All authority, the Bible says, or Jesus himself says, is given to me. And yet he started so small. So persecution, just like Israel, could not be wiped out. Even the ecclesia of God, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, could not be wiped out. Despite of 2,000 years confessing the faith was solution, you know, there were, there were seasons when people who were uh, confessing the faith were thrown to the lions, were thrown into the fire. 
but the church is still going strong. It cannot be defeated. And Jesus himself said this very clearly when, when uh, uh, Peter was saying, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by, far, by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, as we say sometimes, will not overcome it. You know, no devil, no demon will be able to bring down the church. Through all the, the challenges, God is building that which he has planned. And he brings it to completion, no matter what. You know, as I said earlier on, yes, there is one major obstacle, and that is the free will of man, because man always goes his own way. But even through that, God works his plan to perfection. Okay? No one can stop the plan of God, not even the free will of man. Even so, God gives free will to everyone. But thank God there are people like you, like us, who are saying we want to we want to do what God has called us to accomplish in this world. We want to learn from Jesus who said, not my will, but your will be done. And only in this way will we be able to reach our destiny. So God is going to finish glorious what he has begun small. Okay? As I said, Israel is still a nation while all these other huge kingdoms, you know, the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, you know, the, the Egyptians, all of these kingdoms are no more. Okay? Maybe they'll be the head, but, but they're not the land of the pharaohs anymore as they used to be. These are just relics of the past. So Israel is here and the church is here. And both of them were brought into being by Christ. And if you read the book of Romans, you will find that God has a plan for both of them. And he will bring both of these plans for Israel as well as for the church to its fulfillment, to its conclusion, to its glorious end. Revelation chapter 22 says, behold, I'm coming soon. Okay? When, when you're here soon, don't, don't expect it uh, in your own framework of soon, you know, because we, we have a different soon than God has. But soon is soon, according to God's soon. Okay? And he says, my reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Wow. He is the beginning, and he is also the end. And he is everything in between. You know, he's the alpha, that means the first letter of the alphabet. He's the omega, that is the last letter of the Greek alphabet, but he's every other letter in between too. So all things work out for good for those who love the Lord. All things. Amen? So he is the beginning and he is the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the, the right to the tree of life 
and may go through the gates into the city. Outsiders, outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexual immorals, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves to practice falsehoods. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I'm the roots, okay? No tree can exist without the roots. No plant can exist without the roots. And Jesus says, I'm the roots and the offspring of David, the bright morning star. This is amazing. When all is said and done, we will be united with our God forever and ever. Okay, so don't keep your eyes on things that are not eternal. Keep your eyes upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Don't let your eyes, you know, derail or fail to see the plan of God. And even so, we cannot fathom everything that God is doing from the beginning to the end. Let us be believers like Abraham. Let us hold on to the promise of God because God will fulfill his promise in our life. Even if you think you're weak, God will give you a special honor. If you read the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you will find out in, uh, in chapter 12 that he talks about the body, you know, and how we are honoring the weaker members in the body. So God uses all of us, provided we allow him to guide us, to lead us, and to build us. There's a beginning. Thank God we have all begun. Every one of us has already reached a certain distance. Some of us are still very early in the race. Others, like me, we have already gone towards, towards the end of the race. But never mind. You know, God is the one who will complete everything. And even if we don't have the full understanding of the plan of God, God will do what he decided that he will do. Okay? He has a blueprint. Okay? From the beginning to the end, he will not fail. And if you walk with him, if you believe in him, if you trust him, you will not fail either. May God bless all of us in a rich way as we see the wider dimensions of the plans of God. Let us pray. Lord our God, we are so grateful. Your word is amazing. Your word gives us insight. Your word makes us marvel over all the amazing things that you have put into place. Of all the things that are working so flawlessly and so wonderfully according to your plan. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that we are not just floating in the wind like leaves fallen from a tree. But Lord, that we have a beginning and that we have a destiny in you. And Lord, that you are going to bring us to that completion, to that destiny, to that glorious future. Lord, we may have started very humble, 
We may have humble roots, humble beginnings. But Lord, you have promised that you have a glorious and prosperous future for all of those who trust you and walk with you in faith. To you be the glory and the honor. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. Amen.